are listening and my name is Sarah and this is Sarah and God's time for those of you who are listening and not watching uh, we are doing a very very short clip here with images of our puppy our puppy Molly and our puppy Mikey and I just wanted to start out with this little bit because there's been <laughs> been uh, talk about transformation and I've seen online all of these really sad but also very wonderful stories about how these pups or kittens or birds or I think the one that I saw last most recently was about a goat all these animals have been rescued and how they've had this this absolutely wonderful and beautiful transformation from how they were to what they could be with a little bit of love and care from the people who rescued them and so to start out I've got Molly here who is not gonna turn around she's getting too much love this way <laughs> But Molly here, she is rescue pup. She is our seven-year-old baby puppy. And she was actually adopted into our family when she was eight weeks old. We knew her at seven weeks though. And her background was that she was abandoned on the side of a road in a trash sack with a number of other pups her age. And she had quite a bit of frostbite. And so the people that found her and her siblings, we're assuming, took her to a shelter and from there she was placed in a foster home and loved and cared for, given medicine for her frostbite on her ear, which is pretty much completely recovered. You wouldn't see it unless you were really looking hard. And from there, we met her on accident when we went to a friend's house who was fostering her. And we adopted her that next week, took her into our home. We couldn't take her home with us that day. She had to be at least, <laughs> she had to be at least eight weeks old before she, we could take her with us. Now, Mikey here, Mikey is over here. He's hiding from the camera, but he was adopted into our family at nine years old. And we found him in a separate, uh, a separate rescue shelter and he was found when he was a puppy he was brought to the shelter and they pretty much treated him like family along with the other pups that were in, that were in the shelter as well and so he was he knew love from the time he came to the shelter just like Molly knew love as from the very time that she was brought to uh, her foster family and so not all animals have experienced this kind of grace and love but you can see how they are transformed whenever they are shown that kind of love and I can talk a little bit more about transformation whenever I take a short break to give our pups a little bit more love and then meet you up afterwards <laughs> All right, everyone, welcome back. I am going to jump right into what it is that we're gonna be talking about today. So with our pups, they have a pretty good story. From a very young age, they were brought into a, a rescue center, the, the fostering families in the doggy rescue centers. 
But from a very young age, they were brought into environments that were full of love. And so they didn't really have much of a transformation. However, there are, have been some animals that were mentioned, as I mentioned before, uh, that they had huge transformations because of experiences that they had had in the past and how they were so negative. For example, the one that I mentioned in the short clip before, there was this goat, and this actually inspired and made me think about how it is that transformation happens in people. But there was this goat, and he was pretty much found where he was covered in tar. And he couldn't move his legs, so he couldn't stand up, he couldn't walk. And he, because his legs were stuck together with tar, and around his face and mask, he was so covered in tar that he couldn't even open his mouth to get what he needed for nutrients and hydration. And so there was these couple of people that found him and then took him to a place where he could receive the care that he needed to actually be able to move and stand and walk. And every day, every day you could see a little bit more of how he was supposed to have been without all of this tar on him. And they would give him a bath every day and they helped him to where he could stand again and where he could eat on his own and drink on his own. And then by the end of it, you see this, this, this goat that is in a completely different color than what we originally saw him in. And you see how he's jumping and running and he's, uh, being kind of playful with these other animals that are around him. And it's, it's a transformation from what he was when he was covered in all of that tar to what he could be whenever he was clean from all of that tar that he was found in. And so when I was watching this video, it actually came to mind, wow, that's kind of how it is that we humans are before and after we find Christ. And I was, I was making these connections <laughs> The uh, Pharisee, Saul, actually came to mind and how he transformed into the apostle Paul, who wrote numerous books in the New Testament. And so we, before I go much further, I want to go back kind of for a second and talk about and define what transformation is. Okay, so when I did a quick Google search, it says transformation is a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. And so like I was saying, Saul the Pharisee was fully focused on abiding by the law of Moses he was fully dedicated to live his life and to call out everybody around him who wasn't living life in obedience to this law of Moses. And he was transformed into Paul the Apostle who understood that he was saved by grace through faith because of what Jesus Christ had done for him. Now, before, in the Old Testament, you have all of these laws that came to be, and by the time you, you get to Jesus' day, all these laws has kind of, they just became motions that people were going through. 
they didn't really have a lot of meaning or depth. Even though in the Old Testament, they had a lot of meaning and depth. But by the time that it gets to the, to the time of Jesus, some of these laws had lost their meaning. And so when they were living by this law, they were doing things that were, were reading the, meeting the requirements of the law, but they weren't actually living in love, which was the foundation of what this, these laws had all been about. And that's what we talked about last week, whenever we were talking about loving God and loving neighbor. That's what Jesus said was the two most important laws. And so whenever we see Saul, Saul was a Pharisee and he was doing what he believed was best. He believed that he was living fully for God and that Jesus, he, he just saw Jesus as a false, false prophet until he came face to face with Jesus. And here's how it happened. Okay, so we're going to start reading in Acts 9, and we're going to read Acts 9, 1 through 9. Okay, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heavenly heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, and the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there, blind, for three days, and did not eat or drink. Now, this is a process. This is a transformation process. Whenever we see Saul, Saul is actually going out to persecute these people who believed that Jesus was the Messiah because of what they had personally experienced. And so whenever Saul is going after all these people, he thinks and fully believes that he is abiding by the law because you are to love no other God but God. <laughs> and so this Jesus, he believed, was a false prophet. He believed that, it, that Jesus was messing up what it was that was God's plan, even though Jesus is God and <laughs> this was part of God's plan. And so when he comes face to face with, with Jesus himself and has this experience, he's transformed. So he found out that living by the law was different than living by faith in Christ. And this was a new opportunity for him. And I'm so glad that he chose 
to follow in obedience to what God was calling him to. So Saul's transformation caused many to become angry or suspicious of his genuineness. Now, I've got a number of, uh, you can read all of this. Please do. Please stop and take a minute and read through all of this. But I'm going to read through it too. Acts 9, 13, and 14 is what I'm going to start with because this is, this is a story of people's suspicion. Okay? So there was a man who was called by God. So... Saul is in Damascus now, and he's praying to God, okay? Because that's what God told him to do, right? So the Lord said to a certain man, go to this place and, and pray over this, this Saul guy. And this man who was asked by God to do this said, but Lord... I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. So there's instantly, this transformation is so big. And this Saul person in the Bible has had such a horrible reputation for what he has done in the eyes of the, the believers of Christ that this believer is called by God to go and, and lay hands on this, this Saul guy. And the guy who was asked to do this goes, what? But God, this guy's going to arrest me and take me to in chains to, to, to be judged. You really want me to do this? And so the Lord says, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So his path is going to be hard enough without having, I mean, the pushback from these, these believers in God. So these believers in God were being encouraged, or this particular believer in God was being encouraged to go and do what he was supposed to do so that Saul would be able to complete his mission. And of course, he went to Saul and he found him and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this, this is a story. This is a story of the suspicion that Saul is already starting to experience. Then we go on and we read Acts 9, 19 through 21. And it says, Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? So again, there's this suspicion. Has he really been transformed so dramatically? But then we also have the people who were of the Jewish belief who they were also kind of angry at this shift. It says in uh, 
Acts 9.23, after a while, some of, the Jew, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gates so that they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. And so he escaped with the help of some of the believers. And then my last one here is, uh, is talking about suspicion. Acts 9.26 says, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, and this is right after his escape, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. And so this, this Saul had such a, a huge transformation from what he, from who he used to be to who he was in Christ, that people were suspicious and they were angry. And so it's just interesting to see these, these shifts and the way that other people respond to people's transformations. So before he was transformed, some would have said that Saul, Saul had it all. He had everything that there was to have. He had position. He had power. He had knowledge. But when he was transformed by God, he became something completely different. Something even better. And he was more fulfilled because of that transformation. He had a righteousness that came from faith in Christ instead of from himself and what he had accomplished on his own. And we could read his own words in Philippians 3, 3 through 9. So let me get to that one section here. It says, and these are, this is from, this is from Paul because he was Saul to Paul. Okay. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself demand, depends on faith. Now, <laughs> he says in here, all he had accomplished before he was committed to Christ was trash in comparison to the freedom and love he received when he did turn to Christ. 
And I agree. In comparison to knowing Christ, all the power, all the position, all the knowledge is considered garbage in comparison to knowing Christ because knowing Christ, being close to Christ, is, is far, far, far superior. At the same time, God didn't waste any of the knowledge given to Saul. He used all of those things. He used Saul's knowledge of the law. He used Saul's previous life to empower Saul so that he could go out and carry out a mission that was given him directly from God. God just showed Saul how to use his, his experiences from his past in a new way. And when Saul obeyed God, he obeyed God with what he had. He became Paul, a man who lived boldly, sharing the truth of God and with, with those around him. And now, now he's seen in the Bible as one of many people who was saved by Christ. They didn't have any control or power when it came to Christ coming and offering them this gift. All they had to do was receive it. It didn't come to them because of any knowledge or power or strength that they had on their own. He's one of many who was saved by Christ and used to testify of God's great love for us all because of his obedience to what God was calling him to. Now, going back, similar to how these rescued animals were transformed by the love and care given them by the people who found them and rescued them, we as humans can be transformed by the love and care given us by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, God loves us for who we really are. Like these people had compassion towards these animals, these wounded animals, and how they saw what these animals could be. Our God sees us for who we really are. He sees us for who we really are, and I am so glad for that. And he also sees all the good that can come in our future as we allow him to care for us and provide for us. He's already made a way for us to have relationship with him, which will empower us and give us everything we need to fulfill our mission in this life. And we do. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And it's up to us to listen, to hear, and to choose to receive that mission and accept it. Our part is to receive what he has to offer us. We find what he wants to offer us through prayer, reading the Bible, and listening to him. Listening to devotionals such as this one is a great step too. And I hope, and I've said this before, I hope that this is not the only one that you are doing. I hope that you're listening to other devotionals. I hope that you're reading the Bible and praying on your own as well. Because those are going to be the steps that can help you, that can help you to grow and mature. And I, I hope that you're taking those steps. And I hope that they bring you peace, and knowing of God's love for you, 
And I hope that they answer some questions, but also I hope that they, they bring more questions to mind. I really hope that. Because whenever we have more questions, we seek more answers and we learn more about who God is and how much he loves us. So I hope that these bring up more questions. And if you have those questions, send them my way because I would love to explore them too. I'm always learning. And Paul, Paul continued to learn and grow and try new things. And you can read all kinds of his letters about things that he knew because of what God had done for him. And you can read all kinds of those stories all throughout the New Testament. And I hope that you do. And so, what a wonderful gift to know that we are loved by God and to know that it's an unconditional love and that we get the opportunity to receive this love and all of the good things that come from it. I hope that this was helpful for you. And this is all I have for you this week. So I also hope that this coming week is a wonderful week for you. And I look forward to seeing you and visiting again next week.